loading artist audio insight artcast verb interview with artists working today artcast noun insights into the work and process hello and welcome to artcast i'm your host philip j mellon loading artist audio insight let me welcome you to Oddcast, David Lamort. Oh, thank you. You're welcome. Happy to be here. Um, I guess we'll just jump right into the questions. Mm-hmm. So, David, do you, um, when you begin works, do you have any um, sort of blueprints or any kind of uh, preliminary sketches involved? A lot of my work starts uh, usually as like a, a doodle on a, a scrap piece of paper or a... Um, or even just something as simple as a post-it note, because a lot of times just the sketchbook isn't at hand. Um, so most of the time it just kind of starts as like an idea or a bullet point or a note. Uh, sometimes, I don't know, I've had this uh, love-hate relationship with my sketchbook. Uh, I want, I, I, at this point I've kind of turned it into like this precious object in my head. So even something that goes into the sketchbook usually comes from a note. It's a little neurotic, but it's just kind of how I've started working lately. No, that seems cool. Um, uh, I feel like I don't sketch enough and, um, that's always, I think a healthy practice. And I noticed I was looking at your, uh, Flickr page and you actually have some scans, I believe of some of your sketches. Yeah. Some of them are, are photographs. It, it really depends. Like my, um, my goal with this sketchbook is really to try and work out an idea. If, if I don't have something that I don't feel like I can fill it in, if it's a good idea and I can't really figure it out, I'll do it in the sketchbook. And every once in a while, stuff kind of comes out. Um, I guess in my mind, I'm like, I want to save these sketchbooks for like my quote unquote archive when I'm an old man to prove to my grandchildren that I was an artist. But right, yeah. I don't know. I well, think I'm fetishizing it a little bit in my head. Like, I know I know that's not healthy, but it's the way I've been thinking lately. No, that's cool. I mean, you know, make a record of, uh, make a record of things can't, can't hurt. You know, I mean, there's a lot of shows that, um, you know, you might have a retrospective at some point where you, the sketches would be important. Well, I just feel like I, I just want to have them also just for, like, exercises. And um, lately I've even been going into old sketchbooks yeah. and looking at stuff that I, you know, I spent like mental time on it, but didn't actually bring to fruition because of life getting in the way. And so I've actually recycled some ideas into new work or actually not even recycled. I barely used them the first time and put them into like a lot of my current work. Right. Now, as far as your work's concerned, what would you say feeds it more? Would it be other art forms, uh, your own work or uh, just life in general? I guess right now it's... Um, kind of life in general. I'm trying to be as open to ideas as possible. Um, most of my work now is, is mostly drawing, uh, which is a, a kind of a departure from, I feel like, I guess I was like a trained sculptor. So okay. uh, I'm trying to draw in, I'm trying to be open to, to the universe, quote unquote, or whatever, just trying to see what comes in and what catches my interest. Right. So some of it's coming from me, but most of it's coming from just everyday life, stuff that comes through the news, some stuff that comes through conversation and what I'm reading. Yeah, yeah. Um, it seems like a lot of your work has to do with um, whether it's uh, news stories and, and current events and things like that. 
Yeah, lately it's a lot about the internet, which is probably says a lot about um, where my head is. I just feel like I spend a lot of my time online, or at least a lot of my downtime online, and so uh, I'm using, I'm trying to now put that uh, that downtime and put it into a, a more uh, fruitful place. Right, right. Um, now, uh, you know, I, I guess you spent, you said you spend a lot of time online. Now, as far as technology, how, how do you go about using that in your work? It's kind of sad for someone who like spends a lot of their time online. So it's pretty internet literate. Like I usually mostly use like image searches for like reference stuff. Um, I'm the kind of person who really can't draw something like something realistic or I can't really draw something that actually exists unless I'm looking at something. Right. Um, so a lot of times what goes into my sketchbook is like images that I'll literally pull off Google image search. Um, I mean, I envy those kind of artists, like digital artists who are able to use the internet as a tool in itself, but right now it's more like a a reference file. I mean, it's it's what I think artists have been doing for thousands of years, taking pieces of things that they find interesting. I'm just able to Google search them now. Yeah, it's a lot easier now, huh? Yeah, I mean, even just like doing stuff like I'll be, be sitting in bed. I mean, my I guess probably the most important tool other than like a pencil now is my iPod. Um, it has like a big screen. I can literally do a Google image search on the Wi-Fi. And like if I'm trying to look uh, what a certain person looks like or I'm trying to get a feel for a certain action or movement, it's the easiest way to get it without having to, you know, comb through a ton of books. Right, right, yeah. Um, now, um, now w- w- sticking with the Internet, like what do you feel the Internet has done to art um, for promotion or just art presence or for or against art in, in some way? Um, I think it's been a good and a bad thing. Like I personally feel like it has a tendency to um, isolate artists even more so that I know we think of the internet as a thing that brings people together, but I think it allows a lot of artists to just kind of put their stuff on like Saatchi Online or whatever and assume that that somehow makes them part of some kind of arts uh, community. Um, I don't say that's not an art community, but I, I've been doing that for years, and I had felt kind of isolated. Um, and I think that's that's kind of a problem. Um, but in some ways, it's it, it, we're, we have more art available to us than any other generation of human beings ever, because right. we're able to see artworks that are from around the world, things that we probably wouldn't even have a chance to see. Something like the Google um, Art Project makes museums available to me that I probably would never have the money to go see. I mean, I've been I've met artists online from like Norway and China, and even some uh, someone some of the artists like I'm doing a show in a couple of months, and one of the artists I met online, she's from Florida. I mean, it's not that far away. But I would have never have met her. I even would never have met you, really, if right. it wasn't for the internet. And I used to live maybe an hour away from you for a while. Yeah, but yeah. We would have never really crossed paths if it wasn't for the internet. Right. Yes. It's just um, it, it brings people together. But I think um, we're it's in its infancy. Infancy, excuse me. Like I think most people don't really know how to use it in a way that's positive for them. I mean, there's some people like who I think 
really kind of get it and understand how to use it. I just don't think I'm one of those people yet. <laughs> oh yeah, well you certainly uh, are are busy with it. Um, so um, yeah, so in some way it could be a false sense of community and because it's so large. Or... Yeah, like um, go ahead. I guess like with the uh, the abstract expressionists, a lot of them hung out. I mean, uh, Rauschenberg and Johns, you know, used to date. You know what I mean? So, like, these artists knew each other. They kind of were all part of the same social circles, and their collectors were part of their social circles, and it allowed, you know, certain artists to flourish. But nowadays, I don't think there really is that kind of artist community. I mean, maybe in a place somewhere like where I know your studio is, in New Bedford, or a place like Brooklyn, or, small, you know, certain neighborhoods do draw artists to right. them. But I think for the majority of artists... Uh, don't really might not necessarily have someone in their like immediate vicinity who's not only an artist but interested in the kind of art they're doing, um, and so we don't have that kind of like art bar. Most people don't have that kind of like art bar um, community to draw upon, to have a critique with, to get into an argument with, or whatever. And um, I guess I'm kind of looking for that. Um, I mean, I'm not really much of a drinker, but. I, uh, I would like the idea, I, I would like to have some kind of group of people that I could go to to talk about my work without having to like explain every little detail. There's some kind of, you know, you know, talking to people who understand art as artists, not just as appreciators. Yeah, yeah. Uh, to have some sort of common language with some people. Um, uh, let me uh, shift gears a little bit and ask you, uh, when when did you fall in love with art or feel that you became an artist? Uh, I guess I mean from a really young age, I really, really, really liked drawing. I would draw um, characters out of comic books. I would make up my own superheroes. Um, I think more often than not, like I was one of those kids who had a lot of like action figures, but my parents would never. It was my parents were not really big on the idea of getting like. I don't know what you'd call them, but as a kid, I called them bases, like these, like, play sets. They were basically, like, dollhouses for boys. Yeah, So they yeah. were, like, guns. Sometimes they were shaped like mountains. You could put your action figures in them, and my parents just didn't want to have to spend 50 or $60 on them. Um, and I would just build my own out of cardboard boxes. So I would, right, like, yeah. glue things to the side. I'd have trap doors. And, like, probably some of my first experiences of, like, really building something with my own hands was trying to make a toy that make the kind of toy or fort, whatever you want to call it, a cardboard that I wanted to. Uh, and after a while, I, that actually, as I got older, that kind of the act of building actually became the, um, the entertainment in itself rather than just having it being some like uh, means to an end. Right. Yeah. There's the process of it. Yeah. I mean, even now, like I play with cardboard, like, when my when I finish the cereal, I I take the box and I try and figure out something I can do with it. I mean, a lot of times it's for work. I'll like as a teacher, like I'll make stencils for art projects we're going to do with the kids, um, or I'll make postcards out of stuff. But I'm, like I'm still messing around with cardboard, and I'm 27 years old, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, well, that's great. You get to put it to uh, give it some new life. Yeah, definitely. Um, now I, you're an educator, so. Let me ask you this question. Uh, how important do you feel art training is for for someone um, starting an art career? Uh, it, 
it's, I mean, it's like my relationship with the internet. It's good and bad. I think for someone who's younger, like under high school age, I think it's really important because I think a lot of kids don't understand the idea that um, I think kids today are kind of trained to be consumers. Yeah. Um, they're, they're trained to read books. They're trained to watch TV. They're trained to watch movies. They're trained to play with toys, but they're not – no one ever usually gives a kid permission to make their own book or to make their own movie and to make their own own stuff. And, I mean, that's slowly cha- slowly changing with stuff like YouTube and, you know, it's really cheap to get a camera. Every, there's a camera in every cell phone nowadays, but yeah, yeah. I, I still think that most kids are – using stuff as a consumer and not as a creator. So I think arts education for younger kids, like, you know, under 18 is really important just to give them the, literally giving them the permission to be an artist. But as, um, I don't know, I, I'm kind of torn on the idea. I mean, I'm a kid, I, like I teach little kids. I teach kindergarten through third. Um, and it's amazing, like, how often I'm, I'm like my day is spent explaining to a kid that yes, you can do that. You're the artist. You're in control. You know, I'm, I'm trying to like get them to, you know, follow their gut. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which yeah. is kind of scary because that's not something I ever had to worry about. I had to be, you know, someone would have to pry me away from my pad and paper. Yeah. But like I don't, I, I don't know. Like I, I think back to my own college education, and a lot of it was spent, like the actual classes were spent learning about how art used to be made instead of how art is made presently. So I'm not, I'm not necessarily, I don't think maybe going to college for art is necessarily important. Um, as important as it had probably had been, uh, if nothing else, it's, it, it maybe it's important for like, you know, filling in those social circles or having access to studios and, and equipment. But yeah. I, I'm kind of undecided on art schools because I often feel like, they, they have this tendency to take, to treat their students like a ball of clay to be molded instead of trying to figure out what they're really interested in or where they're going to flourish. Right. Um, like, I mean, I went to, where I went to school at Rutgers, uh, all of my professors were like, you know, uh, they were like the generation after abstract expressionists. They were all like conceptual artists. So we spent so much time, almost like uh, it was like spending it was like spending four years with art critics all the time. It was, yeah, you know, and I really love conceptual art a lot, and I've met a lot of important people to me in school. But it was just like I don't really think I learned how to do anything art-wise in college. I kind of learned by accident. There were a few professors like. Um, my professor Ann McCowan, who is the who's like the chief papermaker at um, Mason Gross. I mean, I was in sculpture department. She was one of those people who like uh, I, I really felt like fostered me. Like she actually taught me like a teacher, which is I find rare in art school that you actually have these professors that are actual teachers. Yeah. Uh, uh, now, when you say that, do you mean like have a technique involved that that they can teach you? I mean, something that like papermaking or like um. Like a professor is almost like an orator. They're there to like explain to you what their ideas about are on the world. But like a, in my mind, a teacher is someone to facilitate, who facilitates a learning experience, whether it's to help you with technique, to help you with your conceptualization of a project, to show you how the equipment works, if that's what you need, 
the uh, teacher is someone in my mind who kind of looks at a student and goes, this is what this student needs, this student's needs are, and actually tries to fulfill them. Um, and I had a lot of professors, but I, I was also glad to actually found a couple of teachers in college. Yeah, too. yeah, that's great. Um, in, in those days, or in the current days, does are there any artists that stand out for you as far as being influential or inspiring? Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, I, I'm constantly meeting new artists, uh, or not meeting, discovering new artists. Uh, I've been really inspired by, um, I mean, of course, I know you're really interested as well in, like, um, Rauschenberg and, like, the, the post-abstract expressionist, I don't know what you call, like, Johns and Rauschenberg. Um, yeah. That, that, that's the kind of thing that I think kind of inform, informs my work even now. Um, but even more current artists like Tom Sachs. I don't know if you know who Tom Sachs is. Uh, I don't. Um... He, he's kind of this, uh, he's like a crazy object maker who he makes like um, models of like um, the space shuttle. And he does this, he's doing this project with NASA where he's creating like handmade, um, uh, how do you describe it? Like astronaut suits. And he does a lot of stuff where it's, um, taking a material that isn't necessarily what you would use to build something yeah, and, and creating work out of it. He also does this, this whole project where he will actually use um, items at a hardware store to build like shotguns. And yeah. then he was, he got, this, he got this idea where he started to like, he would go into like gun buyback programs and he would go to the hardware store, get like cheap materials, make a shotgun, which is probably the most dangerous thing ever because a, a shotgun, um, it's not like a rifle. There are many bullets that can go anywhere, and if the barrel explodes because it's not made of the right material, you're going to get hit by something dangerous. And he would literally go and bring these to the buyback in New York City, and they would give him like $300 for the gun to get it off the streets. And that's how we like he made petty cash. At least that's the story I was told. Oh my goodness. <laughs> yeah, like that's. Uh, I mean, I, I was also really influenced by like artists, like performance artists too, like William Pobell, um, Chris Burden. Um, too, because I, I've a lot of my um, undergraduate work was having a lot to do with the process of making stuff, um, giving myself like this giant task. But all right, now I'm more influenced by um, there's a lot of interesting work coming out of dare I say it, Brooklyn, um, like uh, our work by like William Powhida or Powhida. I don't even know how you say it. Um, and he does a lot of like drawing of like intricate drawings having to do with um, the art world and almost like critiques on the art world through art. Right. And I, I really like the how the work is not only really really well done but also filled with content like stuff to read, stuff to look at. It's it, the piece is definitely one hundred percent done. But but I, I don't know. I'm, probably my biggest influences right now are the artists I'm trying to reach out to like. Yeah, so Jeff Sanko is um, he's a part performance artist and sculptor who lives in San Francisco, and he's um, you know a, a, a slight um, Asian guy who lives in San Francisco, and his work is very personal about his own sexuality and about his own life and his outlooks on things. And I'm like a heavy set guy, you know, living on the East Coast, but I, I see I don't. It, even though his work is a lot about him, I see myself in his work a lot, like the vulnerability. And also his work is a little crazy. He kind of 
pushes everything to like the furthest logical conclusion. It's very, uh, dare I say, balls to the wall. Um, he'll do like, he's actually working on his graduate thesis right now. And it's insane. There's like um, pinatas and protest signs. And it's basically all his emotions about his own uh, life in San Francisco, basically cranked to his small studio space. Um, I guess now he's an installation artist, but his work really kind of, I find his work challenging both personally and like intellectually. Um, and someone like, um, I'm trying to think of who else. Like someone also like, um, uh, what's his name? Jason Scott Mustin, or I know it's Jason Mustin. He's a Philadelphia artist. Um, again, another guy who's not at all like me. He's like a painter, he's African American, but I really like how his work is very to the point. It has it's political and it's thought provoking and it's a lot of what I want my work to be. Although my work isn't very political, I, I'm trying to at least start a conversation with it and see where yeah. it goes and try and be honest about who I am. Um, I don't know if you've ever seen, um, if you want to look up Jason uh, Musson's work, I would definitely recommend it. It's, I think it's M-U-S-S-O-N. Okay. His work is like, uh, it's funny because I used a lot of his stuff when I was teaching in Boston, um, doing my student teaching in Brighton. Um, it's a very like black and Hispanic area, especially that school. And so um, I wanted to try and show them artists who were black and Hispanic because, it, you know, their whole lives has been shown um, artwork by dead white people. So I thought, I'll give them an artist who's alive, who I think is vibrant and really interesting. And so he his work, I, I used a lot, like, especially from his show, uh, Too Black for BET, some of his work. I mean, the stuff that was appropriate for, for kids. This was, was a show that this artist had? I'm sorry? Uh, you said, uh, I'm sorry, did you say Too Black for BET? Is that a show that that artist had? Yeah, I think it was a show in, uh, in Philadelphia called Too Black for BET, oh, okay. as in uh, Black Entertainment Television. Right. And um, it's just like a lot of him kind of using his artwork to think about what race means to him um, in a way that I'm always kind of trying to figure out with my artwork what being in American culture means to me or being on the internet means to me or whatever I'm kind of working on right now. I'm in kind of flux at the moment mentally, but um, if anyone's ever seen the Hennessy Youngman videos, if you look up uh, Hennessy as in the drink and young man, all one word, um, it's like this hip hop uh, art critic. That's actually Jason Mustin in character as okay. Hennessy Youngman. And he kind of breaks down these, um, they're absolutely hilarious. And it totally breaks down um, the work of Joyce Boyce versus the work of Jay-Z. And it's just really interesting and, and biting. And um, I think some of your listeners are, probably, listeners are probably more familiar with that than Jason's actual, I think, personally, amazing artwork. Uh, but, I mean, I'm, I'm constantly being influenced uh, by the, the people around me uh, or the people – I keep saying around me like they're near me. The people I can reach <laughs> through the internet. Right, yeah. Well, it's uh, easy to describe it that way. It seems like they're close sometimes. Um, yeah, it's a little scary. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, there's a lot of information out there. Um, now, my next question is, um, you've talked a lot about work of others, and I was wondering if you could come up with uh, um, three to five words to describe your own work. If um, You know, it doesn't have to be a phrase, but it could be, you know, separate words or... See, this this is the one um, 
this is the question because I've been listening to your podcast. I think I've heard every, no, I have heard absolutely every episode. I look forward to everyone. And this is the question I I was dreading. Okay. Uh, <laughs> no, no, it's fine. I'm like, because I don't want because everyone gives these great answers I'm like that are really introspective. I find or like really telling about their work or at least nothing else, nothing else interesting. And the only thing I could come up with was like still in progress because I I find that. Um, I had this really long dry period in my artwork. Yeah. Um, during graduate school, and like I'm literally like reteaching myself how to do how to be me as an artist. I've spent so much time trying to be like you know a teacher and trying to make other people happy with my artwork that I kind of lost. Not that I stopped making artwork, but I stopped stopped making artwork that I was like excited by. Yeah. Uh, so. I kind of still feel like now I'm just kind of starting to hit my stride with my work where like I'm making pieces and I'm like proud to show people proud to put on the internet. I'm not just like putting up to let people know I'm still alive. Like I'm putting up because I want people to see it and I want to get feedback and like I'm totally right now still in progress or maybe hitting my stride. Yeah, that, that's what we'll do. Hitting my stride. We'll be oh, okay. my, my three word thing because um, I think, more than anything, I'm, I'm really trying to uh, bust my rear to try and like be the kind of artist I'd want to respect or the kind of artist that I would want to look at their artwork. Whereas for a while, I don't think I was that. I think I was someone who knew about art. But Yeah, well, I, I mean, still in progress is good. I like that. I, I mean, I often feel that, that same way where... Um, I, you know, I'm, I'm 34 and I still feel like I'm developing, you know, and I, I guess, you know, in some way, um, you know, we, we, uh, we may be flowing pretty good and then we have chapters or, or, um, you know, the ebb and flow of, of the process itself. Um, see, cause like, I don't know, like I, I, in college, um, I hate to bring up something that's so long ago, uh, but like 2003, 2004, I was put on what they call artistic probation. Okay. Um, I don't know how to describe it other than it's like academic probation, but it's for your art. And the problem with my work that my professors had with my work, well, some of my professors had with my work, was there wasn't this kind of cohesive style to what I was doing. There was no signature, you know, Lamort flair at all. It was, they described my work as this all could have been done by 10 different artists. I showed them 10 different pieces. They like, there was no connection. And they even were saying like, you're not like some kind of, you know, candy camera kind of person to try and catch us to make sure we're paying attention. And I said, no, that's the weirdest thing I'd ever had someone tell me, but they like literally were not sure. It looked like I had no idea where I was going. Like I was going in 10 different directions at, at once. And like, were my three words still in flux. Okay. Like, that's like the, sto the story of my art career is that I'm always like, I always feel like it's evolving. It may not necessarily be in a good way. And I envy people who I feel like have a, not necessarily a signature or a gimmick, or I'm not saying that, I'm not saying that about your work or anyone else's work, but I'm just saying there's often like a thread that goes through their work or there's like a progression. Right. Whereas um, I feel like oftentimes like I'll do a drawing and then, the concept or the style will literally like cut off and stop. And, uh, and lately I just, I'm still feeling that. And like my work is always still in progress. 
I don't know if that feeling will ever go away. Um, I'm kind of hoping it will because I think that's the, the part of the, the part of being an artist that I found the hardest is the idea that like I'm never going to have a Dave Lamort style. Um, but maybe it's a good thing. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, um, well, it's a big issue, I think, and it, I'm glad you brought it up because I um, I feel that 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 may be more common than than not. I'm not sure. I can't speak for other artists, but. I feel the same way uh, sometimes. <coughs> Excuse me. <clears throat> um, it's funny because I started a, a new batch of work, which I feel you know. You spoke of the thread, and these are these are words and, and phrases that come through my head when in my process. And I feel like there there isn't this thread. Um, uh, I don't know. I I sometimes document what I do with photograph that I don't post yet, and I've actually been good for the last two months without posting what my new work. I want to kind of see where it's going and where it's coming from and, and to kind of process it myself a little bit before I go ahead and post it on online for all to see, you know, it's, I'm um, keeping it private and I'm, um, surprised because <laughs> I'm <clears throat> very easily, uh, persuaded by the, the, the posting venues. Um, so yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because I think it's an important issue and I think it can, can be strong for some. And um, some people find a riff and they, they go with it and they find a signature or, um, but I guess everyone's journey is different. It seems. I'm, I'm constantly trying to figure out where my artwork is going, both like in the long run, you know, where my art career is going or where the actual work itself, like what's going to happen next or where even a piece is going to finish off. Cause there's sometimes where I'll look at my work and go, all right, in April, I was feeling this, and I can see that. And in March, I had a completely different idea. And the stuff sometimes looks totally, like, Photoshopped together. But yeah. I'm also the, probably my worst critic. So who knows? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I guess we can be sometimes. I don't know. I mean, from an observer, um, uh, I I mean, it seems like your work deals with um, – there, there's definitely a, a, an air of conceptual art to it. There is modern materials, um, you know, and, and you mix in some humor in there. And, and I don't know. I mean, from a casual observer, um, I, I do see a thread, but that's just my my uh, experience with it from from um, the online experience, I guess I could say. Yeah, and that might be more of a new development. Like, maybe I'm starting to hit that stride again. But um, to me, like... I don't know. It also could could just be that I, I've been indoctrinated with uh, by you know conceptual art. Anyone who's gone to a school where they focus on conceptual art and not like the actual craft of art, like I feel like Mason Gross, or maybe just the professors I had. Um, I went to the Mason Gross School of Arts in at Rutgers University in, New, in beautiful New Brunswick, New Jersey, and um, it was a very conceptual school when I went there, and very little time was spent on technique unless you really kind of pushed a professor to do it or the professor like felt like it was necessary and like you know i was literally told at one point that like aesthetic is not important concept is i mean they would i have professors constantly cite like artists would just put artwork in the mail like send postcards to create an aesthetic like like the aesthetic is not important it's the ideas behind your artwork and like for someone who's like you know, a teenager or like an early 20 something, uh, I think that's kind of a crazy thing to think about because I think eventually what happened, I think what happened to me was 
I, I started not liking the concept, so I just stopped making artwork. And I never worked anything out for like two years. I really kind of like just uh, doodled, you know? Yeah. And I think um, that's kind of, you can kind of see that in my work that I'm, like I'm, that uh, somehow like my artwork won't count unless there's some kind of concept behind it, you know? But I'm also a little neurotic when it comes to that kind of stuff. But like I was literally trained to like, to be an artist, you know, in thought, but not an artist in like, in hand or something. Yeah. Like we were not taught the plastic arts or whatever you want to call it. Like occasionally like a grad student would come, you know, and you could work with someone like an instructor would show you how to do stuff or like I spent a ton of time in the studio. So like I messed around, I made mistakes. I learned from like my cohorts and then occasionally like, yes, one of my professors would, would, would like really kind of work with a technique with me because it served the concept that I was trying to work on, you know, but it was like every project needed to be like, you have its own thesis. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Oh, which wow. is like, is, which is hard when you just, when you go to college to love to draw, you know? Right. Well, I, I guess different schools are, have different, um, focuses, I guess in some way. Um, yeah. Cause like, I remember like I, I used to be, I'm still actually really into the work of the, uh, this artist, Jeff Soto, who is a, he's a former graffiti artist. Who's now like this, like, semi-surrealist painter like you've ever seen the the magazine like uh giant robot he does a lot of their covers and stuff there's a lot of these like three-dimensional looking like robot paintings they're really beautiful but i remember like he and i had like an email exchange because i was a real fan of his work and i just wanted to like reach out and tell him and um and it, it seemed to me like he was kind of taught to like how to be a super precise painter yeah and there was little to no concept behind his work like there was nothing. He was he wasn't trying to say anything other than like he loved robots. He loved drawing. He loved painting. So he's like, I'm gonna paint robots and I'm gonna draw these, paint these crazy amazing robots and like you know, hash out his skills. And his work has just gotten better. Whereas like I'm someone who's like I'm, everything has to have a concept behind it. Everything has to have an idea or some kind of like higher purpose. And I end up beating myself up over everything. So I don't know. Well, it's interesting. I think we come from different camps, but I mean, I, I look at your work and I think, wow, I'm not, I mean, I think some of your work borders on illustration in some way, like at least with the, the, the ink and the marker and, and, you know, things like that. And, um, to me, I think, boy, I wish I could, you know, sort of draw (laughs) in in, in that way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's, it's just different sides of the tracks, I suppose. If someone called me an illustrator, like, a couple of years ago, like I, that, I, that would be like a, a knock. Oh, I, I consider it a, a, I mean, you're coming for me. It's a, it's a compliment because I, I, um, I'm much more of a painterly draftsman in some way. That illustrative quality that you're seeing in my work is literally coming out out of a necessity of like, cause like I'm a father now, like we just recently had a baby right. and, um, and like, I want to be able to do my artwork and still be dead or da yeah. or whatever. Right. Um, and so like, you know, what I'm, what I like usually doing is like sculpture and, you know, using noxious fumes to like glue things together and like knock things apart and like spend a lot of time breaking stuff and fixing and breaking stuff. <laughs> yeah. yeah that, that kind of particulate, like, you know, a little bit of dust can really hurt my daughter. So like, 
the drawing and the using the the sharpies and stuff literally came out of like all right she's taking a nap i can draw for a little while in the room without worrying about me like harming her for the long term oh yeah no i mean well it doesn't it doesn't show it doesn't seem limiting so um i would run with it you know yeah but i i think um I'm the kind of person, it's funny you said limiting, because I think I'm, I'm the kind of person, I know there are a lot of artists like this, that like, sometimes when you have uh, the open page, it's more intimidating than if you set limits on yourself. Like, I'm yeah. the kind of person who can, like, who's good at working within a system of rules, whether it's like, all right, I'm going to be drawing on an, because I've been only doing, like, 11 by 14 drawings lately. Um, like, I bought a few 11 by 14 pads at, like, the art store. Right. You know, because that just... You know, it's big and it's bigger than a piece of computer paper, but it's like smaller than a giant thing. And I've just been kind of focusing on that. And it's also like out of necessity, but like giving myself a constraint of like, you know, whatever the topic you want it to be, but you have to use these materials. I end up feeling more free than if I'm like, you know, in my studio with like every possible media yeah. I've ever used available to me. I get nothing done. I end up staring. Staring around the room. It's come up before in, in in a previous interview too. That idea of um, you know the limitations actually creating more of a freedom, and um, I, I can see that too. And 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 I, I tend to work with uh, um, hardly any parameters, and that might be uh, more challenging for me in in, in a in a way that um, I'm racking my brain more than I should be. <laughs> But, but I mean, uh, that's also part of your process. And I think like, but I mean, your, I think your strongest work, I don't, I don't, I'm totally taking over your interview and I hate not doing that. Uh, it's it's a discussion. It's fine. Okay, good. I'm like, I, I totally sometimes feel like I'm taking the reins because I can't help myself. Um, cause this is the, the chair I, I, I sit in when I do my podcast. Right. It's yeah. Like, it's funny. It's a podcaster interviewing a podcaster artist as well. <laughs> yes. And eventually the whole world's going to fold in on itself and we're going to have an inception. I don't know, whatever. But like, um, like I, I, I find that, that even setting like stupid parameters would sometimes help me. And I, I think like, but that's part of your process, especially you as like, I don't want to call you just an assemblage artist, but like someone who uses a lot of assemblage, the whole point is that you're um, taking these objects and items that don't really belong in a traditional painting and putting them in there. So in a way, you need to be open to the entire, all the ether of, of stuff around you. Yeah, you it's know? a lot of stuff. <laughs> I kind of see myself as a sculptor who happens to be drawing right now. Right, yeah. Like, you know, the fact that, like, Walter de Maria and, like, uh, Rodin and David Smith and... Uh, yeah, I, you introduced me to Willie Cole, and that was uh, interesting. I looked looked up his work today. Yeah, he's someone like he was one of my uh, probably like one of my favorite artists. I wouldn't say he's as much of an influence on my current work, but he's someone like in college. And I actually found out that um, he came into our studio we, uh, at Rutgers. They have this really uh, it was called the RCI PDP when I was there, but now it's called something else. Um, it's like basically a, a, an amazing print program and they invite in local New Jersey artists um, to come in or and other artists to come in and do like projects alongside the the uh, master printer and the master paper maker and the year I went abroad was the year Willie Cole came in oh goodness 
to like do a project. There was also the year that Richard Serra, another like idol of mine, uh, came to talk to my school, and I was—I mean, I was in England, whatever. Right. Um, but that would have been like, a nice experience. <laughs> yeah, I mean, whatever. I got to meet Mark Perrier. He was there. He came later, but like, I got to see him work. But it was just like, you know, those guys really kind of influenced my work a lot. I, I, the fact that like, I think the amazing thing about Willie Cole—not just that he's from New Jersey, very close to here. Um, but he, he's someone who really takes his blackness into his own work. A lot of his work is about the history of slavery and the relationship of African-Americans, um, to U.S. culture or Western culture or U.S. history and what his place is with it. He's basically like struggling with his own upbringing and his own personal history and his own family history and you know, modern history in general in his artwork. And that's what I'm kind of trying to do. But it's hard when you're like, you know, a middle-class white guy with little to no, like, I don't, no one's really ever, that's not true. I get some racist remarks on occasion, but that's because I'm a school teacher. What are you going to do? Yeah. Um, you know, but like, I love that idea, the idea of like, kind of like putting yourself into your work and like, really coming up with amazing stuff. Um, he's an artist who I, I really admire, who I'd really like to like, sit down with uh, definitely probably one of my favorite artists ever <laughs> oh that's great um it's always nice to find someone that strikes you that way oh yeah no like i look at his work and i get like i can feel my heartbeat go up it's like it's like what i think like you know i like it's when you see your favorite hear your favorite band song come up on your ipod or i guess on the radio now if you anyone ever listens to the radio anymore i barely do um it's the same feeling i get that same feeling looking at his work even sometimes before I realized it's his work, which is kind of funny. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, his work has been a real big influence on me. It's just uh, just the way he, he turns everything on its head is really great to me. Um, so, uh, yeah, well, I guess uh, that's this turned into a great talk, and I want to thank you, David Lamort. Oh, thank you, Philip Chamberlain. For more on David Lamort, please visit davidlamort.com. This has been Oddcast. Thank you from me, your host, Philip J. Mellon. Keep the dialogue going.